Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. You know, kind of one other personal thing that, that really developed me was, was the loss of my dad um, at an early age. My father passed um, when I was nine, and I've kind of always joked that I went from nine to 19 overnight. But I think within that, it, there was just a, a new sense of responsibility or dependability that was going to be needed in my life and in my family. And I think it was kind of through those times when I, mean, I was fourth grade, but just in those times kind of became a leader of peers or someone that folks looked to because life kind of got a little bit more serious or more responsibility. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm a little nervous today. Why is that? My boss is on the podcast today. <laughs> and we had, uh, we had Todd Atkins on earlier, so I was, I was a little nervous as well. So it's yeah, your no, turn. Nobody's scared of Todd Atkins, though. That's I mean, true. Brad Barnett, though. Brad <laughs> Master Barnett. That's his middle name for you guys that don't know. We're talking with him today, and Brad is an incredible leader. His role, his title, I think it's just kind of a made-up title, Brad, right? Just like Senior Manager of Events. Whatever that is. Whatever yeah. that is. But he's the senior manager of events for Lifeway students, which is actually a really big role. And to put that into perspective, he helps lead and oversee over 125,000 students and kids that come to camp every summer. Wow. I mean, that's like the big, maybe one of the biggest events in the world. It didn't happen this summer, but normally it is one of the biggest <laughs> events in the world. Thanks, and COVID. so we're, Brad has invested so much into me personally and my wife, Haley, and he is a great leader that not a lot of people know about. And so I'm really excited to explore his unseen story. Um, and a, a little note here too for Brad, he was the OG unseen leadership podcast interview. It just never aired. <laughs> he, we, he was the test subject and uh, he did a great job, but we had to, we had to get everything right before we had him back on. So Brad, I talked a lot there. You're not surprised by that at all. We're so happy to have you on today though. How are you doing, bro? Doing good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. Happy to be the uh, podcast guinea pig at any point. I'm going to add that to like my bio or online or whatever. But happy to do that. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Hey, you did great. We did not. That's why it didn't air. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not you <laughs> exactly. Well, before we get in here, um, I, I know this is a unique season for so many different people, um, and we're going to get into the behind the scenes of of your story just a little bit. But just to catch people up right now, like Josh said. 125,000 students and kids normally on a summer, but just like everybody else, you guys are having to figure out what this COVID situation is looking like for, for student life and all the camps at Lifeway. What in the world has the past four months looked like for you and your team? <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been hard, uh, super challenging. I mean, honestly, the hardest leadership season I've ever been through and, yeah. you know, trusting the Lord and, uh, seeing his refinement through that, but uh, been really challenging. We we knew along the way. I remember going into the office. Uh, right, it was the day that the NBA shut down, and I went to went to Ben. And I said, uh, "So, man, I don't I don't know if we're doing camp this summer, man." And that mm. was like March twelfth. Uh, and so we kind of watched it all unfold, and you know, cancellations coming in and different things growing. And so, kind of as we as we saw that play out, um, just a lot of hard, really hard, sad decisions. Uh, that we had to make along the way, uh, but also in in what has been a winter season for us of being dormant, new things have grown out of it, and we've learned new things about uh, our churches and our customers, and been able to try and test some new things that we never would have otherwise. So I'm thankful for those 
things as well and interested to see kind of what the Lord has for us in the future because of that. Mm. Well, I know many, many who listen to this are our student pastors or maybe have served in their student ministries and, and different camps along the way. So I'm sure for, for most everyone listening, they're affected, you know, summer camps in some way. So appreciate you leading through that, leading your team through that so well. And Hey, NBA's back. So maybe, maybe it that's has. looking good for the future of events and everything. So, but it's in the bubble. Maybe we'll see what that <laughs> looks like. <laughs> well, let's, let's hop in here, Brad, to, uh, to our questions and let's just get started with this one. Can you, can you walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years? Yeah. So professionally, so much of my leadership experience has come from camp, uh, have been doing it now, uh, since summer of 2002 and short of the one summer I took off to take Hebrew and hammer out my seminary degree. That was oh. the only summer I took off. Yeah. I would have much rather had been doing camp, uh, for sure. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was, that was the one summer I took off, but uh, so much of it's been with camp. Uh, did five summers with Lifeway uh, with their uh, kids program. Uh, so Cross Point Central Kid uh, back in those times, that was kind of the first time uh, leading out in that way. And then from there, uh, went on to st- student life and served as a director for three years out traveling with my wife on the same team. We absolutely loved that season of ministry and just uh, just so impactful and so thankful for the relationships uh, that came from that. Uh, after that, I served over and uh, served over uh, Servant Life which is a short-term mission sending organization, which I really enjoyed and spent some time on the board uh, with those guys. And then uh, went back to student life uh, in a couple of different roles uh, that led to my current role being over all camps uh, for Lifeway, which ends up including student life, Fuge, uh, Centricid, and uh, student life for kids. Well, thank you for that. Just walking us through. And I mean, just like you said, Summer camps, camps in general, had a huge hand in developing you as who you are as a leader. At what point in all of that did you realize, hey, I'm a leader. I'm not just here to serve camp, but I'm actually, God has placed within me a gifting of leadership. And so when did you realize that? And then how did those summer camps form you to be able to develop your own leadership? Oh, that's really good. I uh, I, I look back and um, kind of in, in, in my middle school years, uh, and, and getting into high school really kind of cut my leadership teeth with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, that was probably the first time where, that I understood that sports could be a platform and was doing leadership camps with them. And I'm thankful for some older men that invested in my life, gave me the opportunity to preach as a high school junior and senior to like, you know, hundreds of kids that are my peers. Mm-hmm. Who knows what I said? It was probably <laughs> terrible, but hopefully the Lord, you know, can redeem that or whatever. So I think it was through sports that a lot of that uh, kind of came about. And then I'll say, you know, kind of one other personal thing that, that really developed me was, was the loss of my dad um, at an early age. My father passed um, when I was nine. And I've kind of always joked that I went from nine to 19 overnight. But I think within that, it, there was just a, a new sense of responsibility or dependability that was going to be needed in my life and in my family. And I think it was kind of through those times when I, mean, I was fourth grade, but just in those times kind of became a leader of peers or someone that folks looked to because life kind of got a little bit more serious or more responsibility kind of got on me because of that. And so just seeing the way that the Lord, you know, chooses to use that and shapes you and, you know, whatever else. And there's never really been a, a, a moment of bitterness for me or whatever from that, just the Lord takes and the Lord gives and other things will come out of it. And so have always been, you know, super thankful for those lessons. But I think that was a pivotal moment when I kind of realized like, Hey, others are looking to me and I've probably had some experiences that other people haven't had kind of thing. So I've, we've honestly, 
obviously, excuse me, talked about the story a lot over the years of knowing each other, Brad, and how that has been a pivotal moment for you that changed your life. Um, and we'll get to maybe some pivotal moments here in a minute about your leadership when you really, when you were a leader or in leadership roles and some of those pivotal moments, but with your dad specifically, how has the Lord used that? So the grief and the mourning that comes along, like still, you still grieve and mourn that loss during seasons of your life. And as you should, nothing wrong with that, but how has the Lord put you in certain scenarios to maybe lead through grief? Have you like, or maybe a better question has the Lord put you in those scenarios and how have you been able to do that and feel equipped to do that? Well, it's been interesting. You kind of, you kind of look back at the thread of your life and, and see, uh, you know, how many, uh, young leaders, specifically young male leaders kind of grew up without a father or grew up in maybe dad was there, but not super present or wasn't super encouraging. And I've just kind of had this burden. I think since that time, I'm so thankful for the men that the Lord put in my life over the years, specifically student pastors and other ministers, they might be there for, you know, a couple months, a couple years, whatever it is, but just men along the way to be spiritual fathers to point us in the same, you know, point me in the right direction. So thankful for them. And then as you kind of open your eyes, I think it gives me a sensitivity to look out and realize that like, hey, not that we're all, you know, exactly the same, but if those were some struggles that I had and just the sense of not exactly knowing where to look to or uh, as the Lord puts those people in my life, being super intentional to invest there, to check into things. And really, honestly, I just kind of walk in that there's an assumption that they've probably got some blind spots that they haven't seen, or there may be some, you know, some hurts or some trauma or some different things that they haven't taken care of. And so really just trying to invest specifically in that group of guys. Um, and the Lord's just always been super faithful with that. Man, I think that's such a good point because it, it really, the truth behind that story, right? The, the underlying current behind that is that leadership intentionality with others trumps any type of leadership knowledge. Sure. Smart. Like when, if you're intentional with people and you are trying to treat them as the end and on a means to an end, and you can know all the books in the world, you handed me my first leadership book, Brad. We can, we can have that book memorized, but you know, it was really important that you just reached out that that's really what changed my leadership journey. And so intentionality and leadership is so important. Tell us about a, a pivotal moment, like maybe when you had an official leadership role and you're like, yep, well, that's the truth that I just learned. Okay. Now, now I know better, or I know this now, is there a moment like that that happened with your leadership? Yeah, I had, I had a few the, you know, leadership's this, this painful journey of self-discovery along the way where we kind of realize the the gaps or the areas. So a, a few for me early on, I'll, I'll kind of go into some camp stories if I can, but uh, one learning how to lead girls uh, was just a huge issue early on in my leadership. I kind of mentioned came from a sports background and coaches and some of that kind of thing. So uh, I was really good leading guys and jocks and grab, grab folks by the face mask and have hard conversations. I had that box checked off. Uh, but when I tried to apply that to uh, girls that were, you know, <laughs> on my team or in leadership, it, it didn't go so well. And so I had to learn to kind of get the the rough edges, you know, sanded off and uh, am thankful for, you know, people like my wife that ended up, you know, ended up marrying one of the girls on my team. And she would have to go and like clean up my messes and, you know, tell tell people he's not as bad as that. I know he said <laughs> that, but that's not what he meant. He's got a really good heart. So learning some of that, those were those were some really, you know, hard lessons that I had to learn early on just in terms of relational leadership and uh, specifically leading girls and realizing I think that I think the leadership nugget that's in there is we can't lead everyone the same. We've got to lead everyone differently uh, along the way. Um, and I would also just say kind of just this self-discovery, learning yourself, 
um, for me, uh, learning about introversion and time alone and where I recharge and everything. I'm a leader. I want to be with my people. I want to spend time with them. But as I would do that, I would just be completely depleted, just so tired and burn out. And whatever. It's like, Brad, you've got to go recharge on your own. And it's okay. It doesn't mean you hate them. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean you're antisocial. It just means that you're taking care of yourself. And if you don't do that, you can't be in a position to lead other people and lead out of a place of health. Um, but giving myself permission to do that as a young leader kind of uh, was something I had to work on. It, it is always interesting on those, those, like you're talking about pivotal moments where you can, it, it definitely is a reality of your, of your leadership of like, I haven't learned this yet, or I still have room to grow here. So how, and then there's times I know for myself, it's easy for me to kick myself when I'm down, like in those situations and be like, man, I'm, I'm just a terrible leader. But it's it's a learning moment, and it, how how would you advise? Because I'm we've all experienced this. What advice would you share with? Hey, when when I discover that moment, when I have one of those moments where I just want to crawl in a hole because of how I handled a situation, and I know I need to grow. How can instead of you know putting my head down and and kind of being upset with myself, how can I grow in that moment instead of just sinking back? Yeah, and I think I think some of that's theological. The Lord the Lord gives grace, and He gives grace. <laughs> Um, to leaders, and we have to receive that. But uh, but also, man, just staying humble, being teachable, uh, realizing that there is a long road of leadership ahead of us, and that those individual little seasons don't define us, but that there's a bigger picture that the Lord is trying to do. But He wants to do that work in us. He He's just way more concerned about the work He's doing in us than He is about the work that He's doing through us. But we 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 get that flip. We're very worried about. What's the Lord doing through me? And what am I going to, you know, what am I going to do? Or what's the next challenge or whatever? And I just don't think the Lord cares about that near as much as he does our own humility, our own hearts, our own holiness, you know, some yeah. of those kind of things. And so realizing that and just always being open to feedback, critique, open to putting the mirror in front of my face. Um, because if I'm not, then I become tone deaf. I've got hands over my ears. I'm not willing to listen to um, what other people have to say that leads to, and it's just going to, just going to churn that frustration and that irritation and everything else. Um, so Lord, give us a humble heart, help us be, help us be people that um, can learn and always be teachable. That's good. Thank goodness for grace. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Well, well, other areas where grace is needed are mistakes. When we make those, what would you say have been some of your biggest mistakes as a leader getting started? And then how, how did those set you up for success down the road? Hiring Josh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, uh, I, I, I look back and, um, I think early in my leadership journey, there was always this, um, thought that, that leadership is glamorous, or if I just get to this position that I'll have influence or that people will, um, you know, just flock to me and just do whatever I say, because I've got the position or whatever else. Um, or even that it'll be easy and I can just tell people what to do and what, and it's just so not true. Um, that's just not how it works. Uh, leadership is hard um, for those in ministry that aspire to it. There's there's a heaviness and there's a burden that you are you are signing up to carry on behalf of those that you lead. Um, most of the time, we as leaders we sh we uh, we shield our people from that so that they won't see it, so that they won't um, have to go there with us. Um, but a lot of tears, a lot of hard, gut wrenching decisions that affect your people. Um, it's just there, there's just a certain responsibility and uh, depth of character, I guess, that's needed to lead that is so different than, oh, I've got a title and now I can just do whatever I want. And it's going to be awesome. And we can do this and do that. Like 
that just represents such a small piece of leadership compared to um, compared to just the challenges that come from leading your people and the heartache that can come with it at times. Brad, what what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Like looking back on that uh, on the beginning of your leadership, knowing what you know now, man, I wish I wish I'd had this book in my hand when I was starting to lead. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It, it dovetails fairly well into what I just shared, but every good endeavor uh, by Timothy Keller was one that uh, had a lot of. Uh, it really just gave me a framework for how to think theologically about calling, work, ministry. And to understand that it's going to be hard. There's a curse of sin that has been put upon our labor that's going to be hard. And there's going to be some really fun times. And there's going to be some times where we get to pick that fruit and eat it and enjoy it. Uh, But there's going to be some thorns and thistles along the way. Uh, There is a challenge that comes with our work. And I think that a lot of young leaders miss that. I think they see a lot of the glamour or the platforming or the followers or whatever else without understanding that there's a lot of just behind the scenes hard work that goes into, um, into being a leader. And so I'm just super thankful for that, for that book. And it, it really gave me a really good framework to learn how to deal with the challenges that come with leadership. So you mentioned calling and wrestling with your calling. I'm sure, you know, serving with, you know, students from college students who are coming for summer staff throughout summers. I mean, a lot of those students are wrestling with what is, what is my career going to look like? What is my calling in my life? So let's say I'm a college student coming to you, Brad, and I'm, I'm here for the summer. I am loving ministry, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out what in the world my calling is. Is it to go into ministry? Is it to go into business? Is it to go into nursing? Whatever that might be. What advice would you share with a college student who's wrestling with that saying, what is next for me? How, what is God's calling on my life? Oh, it's good. I think the Lord speaks in a, in a few ways. I think he speaks through scripture. There's always that time where you're talking with, you know, uh, younger leaders and, you know, kind of Lord, how's the Lord speaking to you? Or what are you hearing? You kind of start picking and poking and asking some questions. You're like, are you in the word right now? Like, are you actively seeking the Lord and reading mm-hmm. the word? And well, no, not, not so much. <laughs> like that. That's a primary way that the Lord speaks, but I also think the Lord speaks through other people. Uh, and what I mean by that is w- what are the things that other people call out in you? Maybe their characteristics or, or different things, man, you're really good when you're in this environment. I remember I had someone do that for me early on before I was even directing camps, he was, man, you really have the gift of, of administration. Like I look forward to seeing that grow or blossom in you one day. I'm like, what's the gift of administration? Like, I, I had to go in, like, you know, doing some more, you know, research on that or whatever. Um, but then also, um, also circumstances. And I mean, a little bit of that, like with, with, you know, me mentioning, you know, the death of my father earlier on, that was a circumstance. That was a situation that happened that, um, you know, I, I didn't have any plans for, didn't know what the Lord would do with that. But that was a unique thing that set up opportunities that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And so it's kind of that, what are the unique things in your life that um, that set you up to minister in a specific way? And I think as we start getting into our stories and as we start unpacking and we start seeing those, I, I think back on, you know, people who maybe have a, a sibling that um, is, you know, special needs or uh, they've, they've dealt with that or people that come from divorce situations or um, you know, just different things that are that are in our past. The Lord is always doing work to redeem that. And the Lord's always going to use that for his good. That's what it's 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 what he does. It's what he's in the, the nature of doing and in, in, uh, redeeming things. And so just trying to kind of look at those three things, um, what people are saying, uh, what what am I reading from Scripture and what am I hearing? And then what circumstances is the Lord putting around me that may open the door for uh, new new leadership uh, you know, experiences? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, 
I want to jump back just a little bit, and I meant to hit it earlier, but I think it's a fine time to ask. So let's let's talk about your introversion mm-hmm. and your leadership and pair those two together a little bit more. So I am not introverted, and <laughs> poor Brad knows this very well when I FaceTime him at seven o'clock at night to tell him a joke or something, you know, something funny that I heard. But I'm not introverted. I'm very extroverted. But Brad is a great leader as an introverted leader. And I still, although the misconception isn't as bad, especially in the church as it maybe was several years ago, that you have to be extroverted to be a minister. You have to be extroverted to be a leader because you have to spend all this time with all these people. And a lot of times you do have to spend time with a lot of people in leadership and shake the hands, kiss the babies, et cetera. But where have you seen success as an introvert in leadership for you in your story and like the positives that have come from that that you've yeah. seen or maybe that other people have told you and what would you say to young leaders right now listening that are highly introverted and terrified to step into the leadership because they're scared they have to be extroverted for that sure no it's a, it's a misconception that's kind of always been out there i think there's that picture of the the outgoing gladhander that's you know out in front doing things or boisterous or whatever not that's just not me. I'm not wired that way. I'm scared of people. I just run away from them. It just a lot, works out a lot better for me that way. Um, but in that, Josh, um, you know, I say that jokingly. For me, it, what introversion or what understanding that has done for me is to, to one, know, know my limits, know where I'm good and where I'm not as where I'm strong and where I'm not as strong. But then also really uh, look to develop intentionally deep relationships with a small group of people. Uh, the impact that that I'm going to have or the way that the Lord's going to use me, it's not going to be short of him coming and changing it or really rewiring things or whatever. It's not going to be to the masses. It's going to be one on one and life on life and, and just pouring my life into other people. And so that may show up in groups of, you know, two or three. It may show up in groups of, you know, five or six or whatever else. I always want to be in a posture of continuing, continuing, uh, continuously developing others and pouring my life into them. But it's going to happen one, one by one, not hundred by hundred or a thousand by a thousand. Just not going to be who I am. It's not how I'm wired. And I've I've seen the Lord use that. Mm. So follow up, follow up with that for the introverted young leader right now. What should they start doing to to prepare for leadership? Like what, what are some practices? I know you just said what the Lord has done in your life and how you've yeah. seen it, but what kind of practices can they start instilling now to prepare for leadership? Yeah. Even practically, um, I've always been one that I, uh, some of it goes down to how well do I know myself and how well do I know my own tendencies and my own levels and whatever. Uh, it, I don't take a lot of meetings in the late afternoon. Why? Because I'm exhausted. I'm done for the day. I'm moody. I'm grumpy. I, I'm tired of talking to people. So even that, I know that about myself. I have good energy in the morning, but by the end, I'm spent. I just don't schedule meetings during that time. Um, and so little things like that to know yourself well um, so that you can be self-aware and know what are those things you kind of, kind of think about, like the gas gauge, the fuel gauge on a car, different you know things on your dashboard. What are those lights that start popping up for me to know, hey, I'm probably overextended. I probably need to retreat back and, and gain some energy right now. But if you're not reading those, if you're not self-aware, if, if you've not done some of the, the heavy lifting to know yourself pretty well, it's going to be really hard for you to self-regulate around other people. And then it's going to lead to you, um, you know, either, you know, for, for me, it shows up and uh, I could just be in a social setting and I have nothing to say. I'm not engaging with anyone or whatever else, or I just get back at the end of the day and my head hits the pillow and I'm just done. I'm just spent. Um, and so being wise about self-monitoring in that way. Mm. Just even, good. just even hearing you say that, I think it's important if you're on a team to understand how your your teammates work as well. 
So hearing that, you know, especially if you're leading a team, you should know who's, you know, if somebody's disengaged in the afternoon or they've been in meetings all day and they, they look like they're just exhausted. It's not because they're, they don't want to be there. It's just, Hey, they've, like you said, they've kind of ran out of gas. So just being able to lead well in that way as well. Let me, let me go to our last question here and I'm going to change it just a little bit and somewhat ask both of you this question. So normal question is, what are some qualities that you wish you had as a young leader? But I want to, I want to kind of put this in because you guys I'm have, excited about this Chandler. You, yeah, you, here we go. We're, we're including you in on the answers, Josh. Yes. Um, you all both get to, to see students um, at student life at camps all, all across the country over the summers. What are some qualities that you feel that being in leadership in that type of setting, what are the qualities that you think are most like formed during that time? Almost, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to give a pitch for student life, summer staff, but what are the qualities that maybe you all, you guys are both heavily influenced by that in your own stories. So what are the qualities that were formed in in you, but then also that you've seen for those that, you know, your teams are leading as well? For, for me, I, there were two that kind of popped out when you said it, Chandler. One is uh, just incredible work ethic. Uh, there's just a work ethic that comes when you are just busting it for, you know, 15, 16 hours a day uh, and sun up to sundown, just going for it. There's an incredible work ethic that, uh, one, I think shapes our character, that, that serves us well as we develop as people, but also that's very attractive uh, to other folks that are out there because they know you know, if I hire camp people, yeah, I yeah. know I'm going to get a hoss. I'm going to get somebody that works hard or whatever else. Um, and then the second thing I, that, that came to mind was just a love for the local church. Um, mm. You can't pour yourself out uh, in such a way. Like it's completely selfless, especially in the student life model where we're, we are just pointing them back to the local church leader. You can be very anonymous on a student life staff, but it drills down that point that it is not about me. It's about the local church, about those relationships. It's about that disciple making model. And, um, and that's for the good, and the Lord designed it that way. And so, just a just a deep, uh, just kind of uh, abiding love for the local church. Yeah, I'll pick two different. I totally agree with Brad on those, especially the work ethic one. We say it all the time. You know, people try to, they do. They hire a lot of student life uh, former staffers all the time because of their work ethic. But I would say two two different ones. One would be healthy culture on a team, and how how you can work well with how you can play well with others, how you work well with others. You got 24 to 30 people on each team and they travel together all summer long. They room together all summer long. They are not on days off. They're together. So there's Mm. not a lot of time to yourself. And so learning how to live with a big family like that and have just good interpersonal relationships, whether personal and professional, you know, during the summer. And then I would say, man, we really, really, really push into feedback moments with our people. How can you take feedback in a healthy way? We hold a mirror up all summer long. To be, it's, it's one of the things that we train our event directors on, how to give good feedback. And most of the time, that's holding up a mirror in front of our team member's face and showing them where, where they're great, and the areas that they're succeeding in really well, but also areas that they need to grow in. And uh, we teach, I think it might have been Scroggins and is how to lead when you're not in charge, but giving feedback is caring, withholding feedback is uncaring. We want to work through conflict in a really healthy way. And we think that's really equipping them for their next assignment, whether that's going to be in the local church or just a professional organization. Yeah. Well, thank you all. I mean, just being at Lifeway, I know there's so many people I work with and I ask them like, Hey, what's your story? And they're like, Oh, I work camps. And it's, I mean, the work ethic is a true thing. Like if you, you're with somebody who's, who's kind of 
you know, cut their teeth on, on in camps. It's like, man, these these people definitely do have a strong work ethic. I, you, I mean, you go to bed sometimes by your own choice, but some you're going to bed at midnight, one a.m. in the morning, up at six or seven the next morning. You work all day long, and guess what? You get to do it like every single day of the summer. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's yeah. hard. Well, that's that's not meant to be a plug for Studio Life. We didn't have that question uh, planned out or anything. But if if you're listening and you hear that, you know, check that out if if you are that age. But also just just hear even whatever you're looking for. Try to find a role. Maybe you're looking to volunteer one summer, or maybe even you're looking to to serve in other capacity. Try to find those type of qualities in something like that. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. And Brad, these are just going to be fun, short, uh, one minute answers. And we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine look like? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, I guess home office now, all that good stuff? Well, it's it's definitely changed, you know, uh, post-COVID or whatever else. I mean, I used to be more getting up 5.30, 6 o'clock, getting into the office. That's changed. So I, I think I am sleeping a little bit more uh, <laughs> these days, which has been good. But I'm usually going to be up um, sometime in the 6 o'clock hour. I like to have a little bit of time to myself before I open the computer and, and get into the email for the day that kind of thing. Some of that, um, either just reading, uh, sometimes being in the word, sometimes maybe podcasting or reading a book, something just to kind of get my mind going. Um, like to do that, uh, work, you know, usually from, you know, maybe eight to about three thirty right now, uh, because I'm uh, and this kind of goes into the question. Uh, I like to schedule my gym routines in the afternoon. I picked this one up from Groeschel a few years ago and I'm super thankful for the advice. It puts a end on my day. Mm. Uh, one that I can't schedule meetings. I mentioned that earlier. So people don't get grumpy, Brad. Um, in the <laughs> meeting. Uh, but it is helping me then get energy back to recharge to get me through the rest of the day. And I might pick an email a little bit, you know, after dinner or whatever else. Uh, but by and large, it just puts a hard stop on my day. It helps me reset. And then I, you know, honestly just sleep better uh, as well. So that's a big part of my daily routine. Yeah. What's your that. favorite personality test right now? Uh, or maybe ever. Yeah. I like using, uh, still I like using DISC with large groups, uh, people that are just getting familiar with personality tests. I think it works uh, really well. But Strength Finders is one that I find myself recommending to a lot of younger leaders that most of them haven't taken. So it becomes one that uh, I think as you kind of get into that self-discovery and what are the things that I'm good at, it's it's a test that I, I find myself recommending a lot. What's your what's your DISC results? What's your Strength Finders if you have yeah. those? So, uh, disc, uh, I'm kind of living in the C, uh, world conscientious beaver to put, you know, an animal with it, but, uh, <laughs> that's kind of where I find myself. And then, uh, street finders, I want to actually take it again. It's been, uh, almost a decade since I've taken it, but, uh, analytical harmony, relator responsibility and deliberative were the ones that I got um, when I took it that, that time. I feel like those would still be pretty close if you took it. <laughs> uh, they, 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 uh, they ping you well. Yeah. 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 I haven't, I haven't taken it in a while either. So I kind of hearing you say, I want to take it again. I kind of, that is interesting. Yeah. What's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, one that I thought of just in terms of being intentional, maybe it goes back even to a little bit of that intentionality that we talked about with, with some of the introversion stuff. Uh, I, I try to be really purposeful about writing down uh, key dates in the life of my people. Uh, and so maybe it could be birthdays. It could be anniversaries. I'll write down uh, the anniversary of a death of a parent or a sibling, uh, just some different things like that. And just shoot little one word text, uh, you know, kind of just thinking about you, praying for you today. I don't go into details um, with them, but I try to remember those really uh, just kind of important days when you know that your folks may be kind of uh, suffering in silence 
so to speak. And maybe that was just intentionality on me uh, growing up and always having to kind of that that annual day of my dad's death, you know, once a year. But that was just a habit I picked up a long time ago. And I think it's really just allowed me to have some really close, deep connections with some folks. Yeah, that's a really unique one. What is your favorite app on your phone right now? Um, Audible and the podcasting app were probably the two that I, I hit the most, but hang out on Audible a good bit. We know that you're listening to Unseen Leadership just as <laughs> right. quick as you can every time we post. I've listened to every episode. Love, every episode. Love what you guys do. So do you, which, which pod, do you actually use the podcasting app? I do. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Yeah. Uh, the Emotionally Healthy Leader by Scazzaro. Um, I'd heard a lot of people recommend it and had wanted to get into it. I actually led uh, a group of guys through it uh, right before all the craziness happened and how timely was it for me to read it during that time mm-hmm. and how much was I going to be able to apply it during this, what's been a really hard, you know, emotional season. And so just super thankful for his work. Uh, his podcast is fantastic. Uh, have been able to kind of cling to those things over the past, you know, couple months. Awesome. All right. Last question. My favorite one. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Stay humble. Always be a person that is willing to learn and be teachable and hey, just keep just keep grinding. Mm-hmm. Brad, thanks uh, for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank you for listening today. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. And if it has, head on over to Instagram, say hey, give us a follow, connect, shoot us a DM. We'd love to say hey, connect. And we'll see you next week. Peace out.